Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Story Slam podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories recorded at our live events in Bristol, UK. All the stories you're going to hear are true and come straight from our audience. We release episodes every Thursday where you'll get to hear the next part of our recorded show. If you have a story that you'd like to share with us, we'd love to hear it. So please stay tuned till the end for more information on how you can do that. Make sure that you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast. And other than that, enjoy the show. Hello again, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our last episode. Here we are again for episode number 45 of the Story Slam podcast with part two of Schools Out. So without any further ado, let's jump right into it. I'm going to read out another storyteller's name. This next person is Helen H. And now I'll just do this one one liner, one line story, and then we'll get you up, Helen. On a summer holiday with my family, we got caught in a thunderstorm on a river cruise, and the boat almost capsized. We had to take shelter in a leaky fisherman's hut on the bank with the boat's rather attractive skipper. <laughs> dot, 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 nothing more to say. <laughs> well, I can, we've all been there, haven't we? <laughs> we just capsized, find a skipper, hopefully get home safe. <laughs> well done. <laughs> And then we, yeah, I've said it, we'll, we'll do one and we've done one. Let's so we give a huge round of applause for Helen. Big round of applause. Um, so my mum was a primary school teacher and I think she would agree with the previous story that that's an accurate reflection of teaching. Um, but one of the things this meant when I was growing up was that my mum had a real passion for education, but like a really kind of slack view of the rules of school. And, and one of the particular things with this was that she didn't really mind if we were in school as long as we were learning. So we were some of the people who, like, at the end of term would, like, leave a bit early to get the cheap flights to go and see our family in Northern Ireland. Um, we, if we were tired, she'd be like, you don't have to be in school, that's fine, as long as you're doing okay in school. Um, but another thing about my mum is that she uh, changes her mind a lot. And there was one trip we were going to take where, for some reason, that to this day I still don't understand, she didn't think we could just take the last couple of hours off the day of school. She said we had to be there the whole day. Um, and this was important because we were going to a wedding in Ireland, uh, and to get there, we had to drive four hours up Scotland to a ferry. Uh, we had to get that ferry over to Northern Ireland. Uh, we had a couple of hours for my parents to sleep before driving all the way down to Dublin and uh, to get there in time for this wedding that was in the morning. Um, and so my parents, they prepped us. They were like, OK, you have to, like, get permission to go to the bathroom in the last lesson of school. You have to run out of school at the bell. You have to get in the car. We then have to go in from primary school. We then have to go and pick up your older sister 30 miles away from her high school. She'll be doing the same thing. Um, <laughs> and then we will not stop. We will drive straight to the ferry because we, we literally only have the time to drive. And because it's rush hour, we, like, if you, you can just wet yourself in the car. We will keep going. <laughs> this was the plan. Um, that afternoon, uh, just before she was going to pick us up, my mum went to put food in the hamster cage uh, to last the hamster the next couple of days while we were away. At this point, she found the hamster dead. Uh, and she, she thought to herself, well, shit. 
Um, last time a hamster died, they got really upset. Now, for context, we did find only the nose of the hamster in the garden, so it was particularly traumatic. But she felt... She, she didn't really know what to do, but she knew that we would be upset if we could not say goodbye to this hamster. So, being a practical woman, she turned to my dad and she said, fine, we're just going to fucking bring it with us. Um, <laughs> so she did, so we, she, she drove to primary school, we ran out of school to the car, got in the car, she started the car, and then went, the hamster's dead and it's in the boot. <laughs> Me and my sisters were like, what? So we drove 30 miles, picked up my older sister, same thing, hamster's dead, in the boot. Um, it was that sister's hamster, she started crying, my mum was like, it's fine, we're going to bury it at sea. Um, <laughs> This was, this was her grand plan, that we would get, we'd drive as fast as we could to the ferry, get on the ferry at the last minute, bring the hamster's corpse up to the top of the boat, throw it into the ocean and it would all be fine. So we started the first bit of this plan, we drove like the wind, we got onto the ferry by the skin of our teeth, uh, we sat in the car breathing, went up to the foot passenger's deck and an announcement came over the tannoy which said that the, uh, the top deck would be closed because of high winds. It was at this point that my mum realised she was smuggling a dead hamster overseas <laughs> with a lot of very emotional children. <laughs> so she turned to my dad and was like, well, we better feed them because they've not had any food for the past four hours, that's fine. So he was like, oh, shit. So I wrapped the hamster in a Sainsbury's bag and I wrapped the sandwiches in a Sainsbury's bag and I put one in the left-hand pocket of the bag and one in the right-hand pocket of the bag, and I can't remember which one is which. And my mum was like, OK, that's fine. We're just going to have to potentially reveal a dead hamster to all the passengers on this boat. <laughs> which they did, but then they got the sandwiches. It was fine. Um, so we continued on the ferry journey. We got to Northern Ireland, <laughs> started to go through customs. Um, my parents, I have never seen, look so suspicious in their life. <laughs> And they walked under I shit you not a massive sign that said, do you smell a rat? <laughs> Straight to nothing to declare. No, nothing at all, nothing at all, it's fine. Um, <laughs> they, they, they had a wheelie suitcase which was squeaking as they dragged it. And it was like the, the dying cries of this hamster and my sister crying still, she hadn't recovered. But anyway, we got to the house. And they said, right, we've got two hours. It's the dead of night. We're in Northern Ireland in the 90s. If you start digging a hole and burying something in the middle of the night, the police tend to come. So we can't do that. Um, we're just going to have to put it in the freezer at my grandmother's house. So they did. They put it in the freezer, um, bundled us in the car again, drove down to Dublin. We arrived screeching tyres at the church, lovely church in Dublin, um, to my cousin's wedding. Um, and we went in and we sat down, kind of breathing heavily. We had just, just made it. Um, for reference, this was a, a, a wedding where my uh, very Protestant Northern Irish cousin Barry was marrying a lovely Catholic Irish woman. Uh, and so we had one side of the church that was my Northern Irish family all out in force trying to show their numbers. Same thing on the other side of the church. Uh, and no one was speaking. And they were all just trying to one-up each other. So we raced in at the end, already looking like a shame to our family sat down and my mum was like, we need to tell, need to tell her mother-in-law what she's done, that she's put a corpse in the freezer. She taps my grandmother on the shoulder and she says, Mary, Mary, we've left you a little gift. <laughs> grandmother in her nicest hat turns around and says, oh, that's nice, dear. My mum says, no, no, 
It's, at this point, the church goes quiet. Um, <laughs> as the groom appears, my mum says, a dead hamster. Uh, the fascinator feathers across the church Twitter um, and we, we in shame just sit silently as we walk out of the church my grandmother turns to my mum and says it's fine we've got a number of dead animals in that freezer uh, and true to form ten years later when we emptied the freezer we were able to bury the hamster one albino blackbird and a hare um, so really I think we fitted in with the family though in the wedding wasn't really the right moment <laughs> every time Helen I just think how, does, how did that happen that's <laughs> really, really quite horrible <laughs> um, should we give a massive round of applause to Helen Woo! On the day I finished my A-levels, most of my friends and people from college decided to have a party in the park, starting in the afternoon. We walk in the park and, surprise, a couple was having public sex behind trees. <laughs> they stopped for a second when they saw us and started again when we left. <laughs> Sad face. <laughs> oh. Oh, what, what are they like? Oh, can't live with them, can't live without them. Oh. <laughs> People having public sex in the park on ball. <laughs> there's no, there's no rule book of what I respond with to these stories. <laughs> well done. Um, the name of our next storyteller. Can we do a little drum roll? Is Aaron? Or it might, it might be Arav. I can't tell if it's an N or a V. I have bad handwriting. I know. That's okay. You can tell us. Aaron. Aaron, cool, yeah, lovely. Nice. Um, and I'll do one more one-line story, Aaron, before you come up and say hello. Finally finished school this year. Ooh, you're a spring chicken. Um, <laughs> it means when you're young. Thanks, thanks for asking. <laughs> Finally, I uh, finished school this year and th through a post-exam house party during which I finally hooked up with the boy I've been crushing on for the past four years. <laughs> However, <laughs> he was so drunk that mid-sex he puked all over me. <laughs> and... And... <laughs> Not all of us. <laughs> and, and over my brother's bed, which we were doing it in. We, we haven't spoken since. Spare a moment for... For, for the bed. For crushing on someone who's maybe not sensitive enough for you. Um, and for... That's just that whole experience. <laughs> um, let's give a huge round of applause now for Aaron. Come on, Aaron. <laughs> All the way till he gets there. All the way. Woo! Hey, how's it going? Uh, so I had a weird period in my life where I've had a lot of, I feel like all the stories start with, so I had a weird period in my life where, yeah, all of them, 
I, I was just wandering around. Uh, I was hitchhiking, um, sleeping on the side of the road, just going from country to country. And then um, I'd find an apartment and a job, last out the winter, save up some money, and then just hit the road come spring. And uh, you know there was some teaching involved and whatever. And long story short, I ended up being a scuba instructor for a while, like guide, in like the sketchiest dive shop you've ever seen. Like, oh god, man, it was just so wrong. Like one time they overloaded the boat, so I had to swim back. <laughs> like I'm not joking. Like he's like, okay, look, there's 14 people here. This thing's gonna capsize. Like you gotta swim. Like he's like, you got your jacket, man. It floats. That's like two and a half fucking miles. Like, you can do it, man. You passed the dive exam. I was like, doesn't mean I want to. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, there's so many stories and so many scrapes with this. I mean, it was just like one of those things where you're like, scuba diver, coolest job ever. Fast forward to like you taking this massive heavy set man who just, no matter how many weights you stick on him, you can't sink him. He's just too buoyant. <laughs> you're sitting there trying to swim upside down, pull him down, it's just not happening. And he's like flailing around in the water. And it's like, I don't know what it is about new divers. They just, they have this like instinctive underwater jujitsu, like mask. Now I can't see. Regulator, now I can't breathe. Okay, you know. And so um, I'd had a bunch of really rough dives and my instructor can tell that I'm about ready to drown somebody, probably him, the guy who owns the, uh, the center. So he's like, all right, I'll give you these three. They're, uh, they're pretty experienced, they're pretty chill, it's all good. And I was just overjoyed, because when you're instructor diving, like, uh, I'm not a large man. I need about four kilos, that's two little weights on the belts, that's, that does me. When I dive with other people, I dive with 18 kilos. That's like the Rambo belt across the chest and all over, just so you have enough weight. So I was like, oh man, this is like my dive for me. And I just took all my weights off, and I just threw a couple in the pockets of my dive vest which is super dangerous and you shouldn't do that because if you have no weight and you go positively buoyant, you will fire up to the top of the surface, blow your eardrums, and depending on how deep you are, decompression sickness or, you know, death. But anyway, it was a shallow dive. I'd done it a million times and I was just being reckless and I was like, nah, I just chuck a couple in there and I'd, I'd take these guys down, they jump in the water and like they don't even look at me, they just go straight to the bottom. I'm like, yes, I'm not gonna get punched in the face underwater, this is gonna be awesome. And we go down and I'm like, hey, these guys are actually pretty good and confident. I'll take them through the caves. And like, we start, we start getting like really good underwater sort of like, hey, you're all right. You're all right too, yeah. So I'm like messing around with them and like taking them out of one cave and then back through the other one and back. And we're just doing circles until one guy just goes like, hey, wait a minute. And he's just waiting for me, sort of irate at the outside of the cave. Like, what do you think? This is a joke? And I was like, yes. And he's like, okay, spot on. What's the next thing? And so we go and we do these little flips and stuff playing around, just taking pictures of each other, going underwater, upside down, all that. And like after that part of the dive, I'm like feeling really just groovy. And I'm like, man, I can just, I can float so well and everything just feels so smooth. What's up with that? And then as I'm coming out of a cave, I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> I don't have my weights. That's, uh, that's gonna be really dangerous going up. I'm gonna have to like claw my way up the anchor and not, you know, fire off to the surface. And I'm just like really stressing and everyone's like, you know, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. Where the hell are my weights? What am I, I'm like, I'm just tuck a rock in my vest, something like that, you know? I'm gonna figure this out because I'm the instructor and if they are uh, gonna realize how badly I've messed up the situation, I'm gonna get fired. And so I, you know, I just play it off and take them through the rest of the course and um, I get back to the anchor. 
And like, it's a point of pride if you can like do a run and end up right back at the anchor, just because, you know, and I do. And underwater, there's these, um, these just different effects of the light. And I call them god rays, and a bunch of other divers do as well. And it's like where the clouds above the water like break, and then the sun just comes down, and this, you know, angels are singing, ah. And I shit you not, anchor's right here. And we've been doing the flips next to the anchor. One of these rays comes down, and both of my weights have landed, not next to the anchor, but perfectly stacked on top of each other. <laughs> They'd both fallen out, and like one had landed, and the other one was on top. And I'm just like, <laughs> and the other diver's like, dude, that's so cool. That's so hardcore. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> that's just how you got to do it, man. Like, I'm such a good diver. I drop my weights at the anchor, navigate around, come back to him, slip him in. No big deal. Don't tell the boss. He'll be upset. <laughs> and instead, I'm just going, sweet mother of God, thank the scuba lords. I will never sin like that again. I will always wear a belt. I heard once that your lungs can just like pop <laughs> if you're coming up from a scuba dive and they, I was just wondering, did his lungs pop? Is he all okay? Did they just pop, pop, pop? Um, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. So well done. Let's give a big round of applause for Aaron. Turn up the drum roll for our next storyteller. Okay. Endo. Um, cool, and no, no content warnings for that one either. Here's a little one-line story before Endo comes up to join us. Tell us a true story on the theme School's Out. At school, I was very interested in edible plants. At the end of the year, I decided I was going to tell my crush how I felt. Okay, two different threads going on. <laughs> um, we were at his house, and I took him outside, but got nervous and just started listing all the medicinal properties of plants. <laughs> then demonstrated how to, um, how to eat a palm leaf. Mm. We didn't hook up, but I still love plants. <laughs> That's the right way round. That's the right way round. Plants will never desert you. Lovers are, are, are you know, by the by. Um, shall we give a huge round of applause for Endo? Hiya. Okay, um, I'm going to tell a story about uh, something that happened at uni once. Um, basically, as we all do, I got a bit pissed out once, uh, drunk obviously, um, <laughs> and um, when I came back to my housemates, I hadn't been out with them, but just some other uni friends, and um, basically <laughs> I fed my housemates goldfish a boiled egg. <laughs> I thought it was so funny, and but the morning after, she had an idea. It might have been what it might be me. No idea why, but hey, <laughs> the fish's name was Esmeralda as well, which is quite funny. Um, <laughs> but um, the day after, when I 
you know, woke up, hangover, actually remembered what I'd done. She asked me, was it Uendo? I was like, do you know what? I don't remember doing it, so it could have been, but it might not have been. <laughs> she, she just got annoyed, understandably, really, but I, I was a bit younger then, like um, 23. So <laughs> I didn't really take much responsibility, although I should have done. And yeah, basically, I, I just said, it could have been me, but she said, it was you, wasn't it? I was like, yeah, possibly. There's still some boiled eggshell in the fish tank. I will help you get it out. So that's what I did. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Um, <laughs> and um, another time, actually, on the theme schools out, I remember when I was a kid, I um, my mum was... Um, getting stuff out the loft, as you do, and there was a, a, like, a pretend seal made out of real fur, which is a bit strange, but I kind of, I, kind, I adopted it, and I called it Sealy. Sealy. <laughs> but uh, I took it on a car journey with me. I came quite attached with it. I think I even actually sucked it once, which is a bit strange. I was like, oh. But, um, yeah, that happened. But I, I accidentally dropped it out the car window, and I still sometimes say to my mum, where the fuck is Sealy? <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> I have a couple of questions about how you feed a boiled egg to a goldfish, which is, did you take the shell off and did you boil it specifically in like a really intentional way? Yeah, but shell on, shell off, that must be crunchy. Because a, but a fish is smaller than a pig. Oh, we're learning a lot. <laughs> well done, huge round of applause. I think it's time for an interval now. Um, when we'll have we'll have a 15-minute interval. Definitely, like go and say to the storytellers how much you like their story and. Um, yeah, and put your name in the hat is the big thing. We've only got one name left, so I really want you to all volunteer your names in the hat. Put more one-line stories in as well. We've not got very many. And we'll see you in 15 minutes. Bye. And that is the end of our show for today. We hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to tune in next week for more true stories told live on stage. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at speakeasystoryslam at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook where you can get more news about the slam, but also see photos from the event. Um, also, if you'd like to tell us a story in person, then please come join us for our live events. They are every third Sunday of the month at the Wardrobe Theatre in Bristol, UK. We can't wait to see you. So from everyone here at Story Slam, have a great week.